Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Welcome to you today. We're glad you joined us. I thank you for tuning in. And today we are continuing reading through the book of Romans, and we are in Romans chapter 14. And we intend to be able to complete Romans chapter 14 today as we continue reading through this wonderful book, Paul's beloved treatise on the gospel. I'd like to start out by reading the rest of the chapter to you, and then we'll go back and we'll discuss these verses a little bit. Romans chapter 14. We'll begin today in verse 14 and conclude the chapter I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. In this chapter, Paul is really dealing with brothers and sisters, those who are growing in their faith. They are in the family of God. They are justified by faith alone. But they have differences of opinion about eating or drinking, about days of the week and Sabbath. They have differences of opinion about things that we would call non-essentials. And we discussed that in great detail in the last episode. But this is the focus of Paul's attention for this chapter. And in the first part of this chapter, we looked at how each person has the freedom and in their growth the ability to make certain decisions and preferences about the non-essential things of the faith, the things that the Bible doesn't speak directly to and that we can have differences of opinion on. He also dealt with everybody else being able to receive one another because we're all growing in Christ and we're all at different levels and we're all at different understandings of things and we have certain freedoms in the non-essentials. So he dealt earlier with each person being able to have the freedom to make those choices about non-essential things and about receiving each other, all of us, 
welcoming one another, receiving each other without judging anybody because of their particular choices or beliefs about some of these non-essential things of the Christian faith. So in verse 14 through 23, Paul now is going to get to the heart of the matter, and that is love. He points out how real love will be proven out in its actions and in how we treat one another. He lays out for us this as part of the test of whether we are walking in love. And he ties all of this with the first part of this chapter. So it really is one theme that he's dealing with, but he's dealing with it in a couple of different parts and topics. In the first part, he dealt with each individual choice in the non-essentials and that the body must accept each and every one because we're all growing and we're all a work of God. Now he's going deeper. He is addressing each person's liberty to choose, but he's also addressing reasons why or why not to choose a specific course of action or a specific preference and belief about certain things. So he gives the example again of food. Now, this may not be as understandable to us as it probably was in those days because this would have been very pertinent to the early church. The early church was made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. And the Jews believed and lived by the Torah laws. There were dietary laws in the Torah that applied to the Jewish people. Laws governing what foods were kosher and what foods were not what foods were clean and edible for them, and what foods were not. Whereas Gentile believers, for the most part, would eat anything, and they had no specifics on what should be eaten and what shouldn't be eaten, perhaps. So these strict dietary laws and commands from the Old Testament could very likely be why Paul is mentioning food here. So he says that, you know, the Jews, he's talking, he's talking about these foods. So he's dealing with Jewish believers who've gotten saved and Gentile believers who've gotten saved. And the one has a tendency and a belief system based on the dietary laws laid out in the Torah, and the other doesn't. So how do we deal with this? Well, in the Torah, God had laid out certain clean foods for them and some that were unclean, such as pork, shrimp, catfish, etc. The types of animals and fish and so forth that were considered scavengers. They would eat the nasty things from the ground and from their environment. And then, of course, if you ate their their food, their meat, whatever, then that may be passed on to you. And, and it may have been that that's really why God was trying to protect his people. The heart of God is always for good for his people. It's not just to lay down laws. So even in the dietary laws, there was very likely, and 
I believe most medical science can prove today some degree of reasons, health reasons, why these were better to eat and not better to eat. And of course, God would know that. And he would want the best for his people. So the heart of God was for the people to be protected and for healthy life and body for his people. However, in Christ now, you've got Jewish believers and Gentile believers, and the Gentiles believe they have the freedom to eat anything, of course. So that could be and did cause some degree of friction in the early church. Now, on that particular point, I do want us to understand the New Testament and what God has to say. And I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. In verse 3, he says, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. In this section, Paul is writing to Timothy about the last days, and he's describing things that will be occurring in the last days. And one of those is, you know, laws about certain foods and that kind of thing. And we see some of that developing today. You know, there are people now that are trying to tell you you don't need to eat any meat at all and various things that we see developing in the last days. But the point I wanted to bring out here was where he says in verse 4, every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So the New Testament makes clear to us that we have the freedom to eat what we believe and what we can eat in faith that is right for us. Now, if someone was of a Jewish background and they believe in continuing in the kosher things and they really have a problem with some of these other foods that Gentile Christians are free to eat, then they become offended by that. And that's part of what Paul is saying here. He's trying to help us understand that we need to get our priorities right. We need to care about what truly matters. So he's telling us we have the freedom to eat, but that freedom is limited only and expressly by the test of love and priority. Because the test of love and priority is going to prove your motive. It's going to prove the deeper intent and truth that is in your heart. Psalms, the psalmist mentioned in one place that God desires truth in the inward parts. In other words, he wants us to truly from deep within love him and have an honorable and a clean conscience and a clean character. He wants us to do things because we truly love him more and it's coming from deep within. And so the test of love and priority that Paul is talking about here will prove whether that's true in the person or not. What matters most? In other words, what is your highest priority? 
What is your higher value? This test reveals pride versus humility. It reveals true love versus feigned love. It reveals where priorities truly lie. I want to read again verses 15 through 18. He says this, Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. So in other words, he's telling us here the higher priority is each and every individual believer because Jesus died for people. You can eat or not eat whatever you want to eat, but when it becomes a a stumbling block and it truly becomes a grief and an offense that's causing someone else problems in their walk with the Lord, then you're destroying with your food the one for whom Christ has died. He goes on and he talks about the kingdom of God not being about eating and drinking, but about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's much more important to God that we love one another, that we treat each other right. The kingdom of God is what matters more, pleasing the Lord, being acceptable. He says here that if you do these things, you are acceptable to God and approved by men. That's a higher priority than you simply being able to be free to do something. So he says the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness will come into play in this context when we are living right and clean with God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Peace will be when we have no tension and no offenses that have been created that are grieving one another. When there's no tension in the air between you and another person because of something you've said or done or that person has said or done. And joy that free flow of love and sincere fellowship that comes from the Lord. Verse 19, this begins the practical instructions now as to what Paul is saying you must do. The whole of the body, he tells all of us, he says, pursue. Let's read it again. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Pursue those things. Endeavor earnestly to acquire this. The things that will bring peace with God and with other people, so there aren't any grievances, there aren't any schisms, there aren't any disputes and arguments and hurt feelings, and the things that will edify, build one another up, encourage each other and strengthen each other in the Lord. I want to read a couple of other places to you. Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read verses 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, 
just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So here Paul is telling us in the book of Ephesians also to endeavor to peak toward peace, to strive to keep the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. The author of the book of Hebrews, which may or may not have been Paul, also tells us something similar. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So we are to continue to pursue living at peace one with another, not being the cause of any stumbling block or any offense, and not interfering with others' growth in the Lord. We are to pursue the things that produce peace and the things that will build one another up. I want to draw to a close here with a few final comments and these last few verses in Romans chapter 14. In verse 20, Paul says this, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So notice here, Paul is saying in this context, the work of God that he's talking about here is individuals in the body of Christ and the whole of the church together. Because if you'll remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. So the work of God is a church. And that church is not a building with a steeple and, you know, instruments inside and funny lights and all that kind of stuff. The church is the people. The church are the people that believe in Jesus Christ and make up this body. And that is the work of God. And we all come to Jesus and he begins to work in our life and he grows us up. He trains us. He teaches us. He begins to grow us. And so we are the work of God. This is the work of God he's talking about. The progress that God is making in the lives of each and every individual member of the body and the body as a whole. And he says, don't destroy that for some meager thing like food in comparison. And then I want to close by reading verse 21. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. We've got to evaluate what we choose to do or not to do and test it by the test of love and priority because the other people in the body of Christ are much more valuable to God and a higher priority than just our own individual freedom. Give you just an example. We talked in the last episode about one today that some people disagree on is the drinking of any form of alcoholic beverage. There are some that believe they can have a glass of wine or whatever without any problems, and others believe you don't touch it at all. My question to you would be to use chapter 14 to evaluate what you should do, because Paul is bringing out here that what's more important is not to put a stumbling block or grieve 
anyone else in the body of Christ and not let them be destroyed because of your actions or your witness. Let me just ask you this. First of all, I believe if you don't touch alcohol at all, you don't have to worry about getting drunk. But Paul is saying here it even goes beyond that. What about your witness? If someone sees you buying all of that or a neighbor sees you, how does that affect your witness? Are you being a true example of Jesus Christ to them to show them the love of God? Are you possibly causing a weaker person in the body, someone else that believes this is wrong? Are you possibly causing them to stumble or to sin or to fall away from the Lord? Are you destroying them because of your own freedom and your own personal choice? That's what Paul is addressing here. He's asking us to apply the test of love and priority to our freedoms and to our personal choices, preferences, and convictions. And so I pray that this is a blessing to you and helps you to understand the heart of God for the matter, because each and every person in God's body, in His church, is important to Him, and He wants us all to love each and every one the way He does. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.